0: Welcome to the runner on the air. This is Blake McKee coming at you today alongside my fellow podcaster, Joey Martinez. Hello, hello. Today, yes. And today we are dedicating a segment towards the 2020 California propositions that will be appearing on the ballot. Uh, according to a poll taken on our runner Instagram, 82% of followers claim that they would be uh, casting their first ballots this year. Exciting stuff. That being said, many first time voters usually aren't too sure on what the propositions are about, you know, or they just want some extra background information. So we wanted to take this time to dive into the 12 California propositions in order to explain what each prop is proposing and what a yes or no vote means. We have quite a bit ground to cover. So without Mm -hmm. further ado, let's dive in. So let's start with Prop 14. It authorizes bonds continuing stem cell research. So what's in the fine print? Here's a quick summary. Uh, Prop 14 authorizes 5.5 billion state bonds for the following stem cell and other medical research, including training, facility construction, and administrative costs. Furthermore, uh, 1.5 billion of the 1.5 will be dedicated towards brain-related diseases exclusively. Pretty awesome. In addition, there's a fiscal impact, meaning that it will affect California taxpayers financially. Uh, Prop 14 will cost taxpayers $260 million annually over a 30-year period. Also, although the bond is for 5.5 billion, it will cost seven point eight billion due to the bond gaining interest over those thirty years. Uh, and just want to mention that that five point five, like the the interest doesn't get taken out of the bond. Like all five point five goes towards the stem cell. It's just the added cost. It's just the extra um, the interest on it. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. A yes vote means that 5.5 billion in state bonds will in fact be sold to fund stem cell research. A no vote means 5.5 billion in state bonds won't be sold. Yeah, any thoughts on that or questions?
1: I know, if I'm remembering from my young kid mind back in the Bush era, I know there was a law passed that made stem cell research essentially no, there's no funding for it on the federal level. So that's why we're doing it again in California. And I know that it's, you know, like stem cell research does help lead way to like pretty groundbreaking uh, cures and whatnot. I don't think there has been a lot in the last few years, honestly, when I did a little bit of research on there, but it is there. So we could do it in the next, you know, hopeful 10 years, you know, something, something come out of that Parkinson's disease is a big advocate for the uh, Prop 14.
0: Yes. And that's the tricky thing too with stem cell research is that when we do break ground in research it's so beneficial because it's such a universal Mm -hmm. like it's like the core of like so many different diseases that if you can start with the stem cell like you can branch off and like you said help with parkinson's you can help with brain related diseases yeah alzheimer's everything like that yeah it's it's really good but the the unfortunate downside is that it costs so much to fund it before Mm -hmm. we get these uh, results you know, which some people may say, well, if we haven't had a lot of breakthroughs, then it's not really worth our time. But that's just kind of the, the, the something you'll struggle with with uh, the science uh, STEM related. Yeah. Discipline. It's yeah. give or
1: take. It's give or take when it comes to research and everything. I, I personally think, you know, if any breakthrough does happen, it would probably lead way into the federal level of funding it. And it wouldn't have to rely so much on state funding for these kind of things. That's if like something groundbreaking
0: comes through. Awesome. So let's uh, transition over to Prop 15.
1: Proposition 15 is about increasing the property taxes on big businesses uh, and their commercial properties, leading to raising more money for schools and local governments. So the law currently right now is that owners pay the same for their property tax as they did when they first bought it, which is a lot less than today's market value. This prop would raise the property tax to the current market value and would create a net gain of $5 billion dollars. Which is a sixty percent increase for cities and counties like it'll Current County, and a forty percent increase to schools and community colleges. Shout out to BC. Hey. Now, exactly. Now, people who support the uh, who support it think it's a great way to start funding schools and local governments because it's only really uh, really taxing big businesses. Now, people who are against it say that that even if the small businesses are exempt from this proposition, because small businesses and farms are exempt from this, it's only big commercial businesses properties. Okay. Um, so even though they are exempt from it on the law, large landlords may start passing the extra cost down to their attendants, which are the you know the small businesses and everything. So there's a little ah. give and take on that, yeah. So a vote yes would be that you want commercial properties to be taxed on today's market prices. And you won't know if you don't, if you want to keep
0: things the way things are. Awesome. Well said. Thank you. So now we're going to dive into proposition 16. 16. Proposition 16 allows diversity as a factor in public employment, education, and contracting decisions. So prop 16 is basically a pro affirmative action proposal that would repeal the current constitutional provision prohibiting such policies. It would allow government decision-making policies to consider race, sex, color, ethnicity, or national origin, which is currently not allowed. There is no direct fiscal impact for Prop 16. The effects are mostly dependent on how state and local government entities would choose to use it. The outcome is pretty unknown for the most part, but many will have their own predictions as to um, the outcomes. Even the university will see Prop 16 as an opportunity to level the playing field for some previously disadvantaged groups. And said groups can be given more of an opportunity to climb the ladder in society and all that fun stuff. Some will uh, oppose Prop 16, making the argument that it uh, eliminates merit-based efforts. Uh, Yeah, I I was kind of thinking
1: that too. (laughs) When you were saying that, I was like, wait a minute.
0: Yeah. You know, and so you, you can see, like, both sides. So it really, oh, yeah. it really is a tricky proposition. It, it ultimately just, at the end of the day, just kind of depends on your um, your personal values.
1: Yeah, that seems like a more ethical kind of thing, too, because it, it's just such a gray line on either one. You know, like, you get the, you know, el support people who, like, see that there's lacking in different diversity in these kind of groups. Mm-hmm. This is on a school level, too? Or yeah. just government? Oh, So it's yeah. everything.
0: Uh, Public employment, education, and contracting decisions. So by
1: education, does that mean like people who enroll to the school?
0: I believe that does. I believe that uh, uh, bleeds over into. That that doesn't rule. Okay. So that's just kind of,
1: see, that's the thing that's kind of weird because it just kind of like school, when you try getting into school, I, I, you know, it's usually based on like your, you know, your academics and, you know, your extracurricular activities and things like that for the, like, you know, what we want to say on paper, it's, that's what it's supposed to do. And it kind of seems like that kind of takes that, it could take that away and be more like, okay, like, well, you know, this guy got like, you know, good grades, perfect for this school, but this person is what we're lacking. So, you know, it's this or that on that. So I I definitely see, that's a tough one. This is a, a tough proposition. I definitely see the benefits of both of those
0: yeah, it, it it really is. There's a, it is, it's really tricky, like you said, because, you know, you might be saying like, well, maybe I want to give some of the, like a, a disadvantaged group, like an opportunity, like um, to better their lives or to climb up the corporate ladder somehow, but then you might say, okay, well now is the company actually hiring because they feel like that will enrich the company and the experience of the employees or are they hiring on as like, a status quo to be exactly, you know, which
1: is that it's like, kind of like its own form of prejudice in a way, you know, like it's its own version of that. It's just kind of like the, you know, the the different sign of a coin of prejudice.
0: Yeah. So, um,
1: that's an interesting one. Yeah. That's a very interesting one, Blake. I, uh, I work at a very diverse workplace and I would say that I I very much like it because of that. Like there's a lot of very diverse groups of people, very different minds all coming together to culminate. I Mm -hmm. like it a lot. It just, to me though, it would seem kind of fake if I knew that was all kind of like constructed behind the scenes more so than like, oh, we, you know, Apple just diverses because of diver- I just gave away where I worked. <laughs> yeah. It diverses where it diverses. I didn't say, it, I said it quick. I work at a fruit vendor, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, a yes vote means state and local entities could consider race, sex, color, ethnicity, and national origin in school college applications public employment and public contracting. A no vote means the current ban on considering diversity in public employment, education and contracting decisions would remain. The ban would remain with a no Ooh. vote. Would like to take us over to Prop 17?
1: All right. Prop seventeen is very, very straight to the point. It's not like all these taxes and property <laughs> and property property incomes. Nice. Prop seventeen basically allows anyone that's on parole to vote it would allow for those people as well to also run for office at are registered to vote and haven't been convicted of perjury or bribery which i found very interesting why it's just those two like it, it, it could have it could have been anything it could have been anything else like you know, murder or anything else, but i think it's funny that they those are the only two
0: especially for running for public office yes
1: exactly but i guess you know bribery is a good thing to have on there uh, so people who support it say that it would lead to more civilian integration to the community since they are trying to reintegrate and in back into the community, it would be a push forward in the right direction. Okay. Saying that they deserve the right to vote if they complete their sentence. The people who are against it say that since they are in parole and parole is like the limbo state between you being habilitated and you leaving prison, the right to vote should be given after they finish parole, not before. So, like so- once
0: they finish their like sentence, like even though they've been charged with the yeah. felony, after their sentence, they'd be able to vote
1: exactly after they finish their their rehabilitation and everything so it's essentially basically if you if you think morally like hey they're trying to rehabilitate give them the extra push the vote like it's it's just another vote it's giving them more incentive to try joining the community shoot that'd be really cool to see a few people on pearl to actually start running for office that'd be really interesting to see or vote no if you don't simple as that
0: yeah Yeah, um Prop 17, that's an interesting one. There's there's going to be definitely diversity in the point of view. You know, there's some people that are like, hard, fast rule, like if you commit a felony, like you you forfeit your right to vote. That's it. It doesn't matter if you were 17 when you did it, and you're 42 now, like, you had your chance, you blew it, buddy. Where some people will say, okay, well, like this individual may have grown from their experience, or maybe they've had a bad home life, and this made some This bad decisions growing up and we're hanging out with the wrong people, but it's since turned away. They turned over a new leaf and they're now- Especially,
1: oh, sorry. I was going to say, especially you've been from prison from year 17 to
0: 42. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like, so like some people will say like, like this is something that we need. Yeah, you're right. That was sweet and to the point. Yeah, it's it's
1: very, that was like the easiest one I saw to every single proposition. I was like, oh, this is so straightforward. There's no like hidden agendas or anything behind it.
0: (laughs) Right, right. So Prop 18. Prop 18. Prop 18 amends California constitution to permit 17 year olds to vote in primary and special elections if they will turn 18 by the next general election and be otherwise eligible to vote. (laughs) That's quite a mouthful.
1: That's that's an interesting value. Yeah, that is quite a mouthful.
0: (laughs) Let's break it down. So right now you can only register to vote when you're 18. You can pre register, but you can't actually Put in a ballot until you are 18, right? So Proposition 18 would essentially lower the voting age to 17, depending on whether the individual will be 18 for the general election, because this basically will give like a 17 year old who will be 18 for a general election right now has no say in the primaries for like choosing which candidate will be voted for on each platform. So people will argue, like, okay, well, it's essential. Like, if they're going to be already able to vote by the time of the general election, well, they should at least have some choice in, like, the primaries.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, this is really interesting. Um, What's your take on
0: this? Dude, I'm so on the fence about it. A lot of these, I'm, like, so neutral. I'm, like – but so with this one – Yeah. Because I'm, like (laughs) – Makes sense. Like it, on one regard of like, okay, well, if I'm eligible for the general election, I would like to at least have some options. Just, many people will say that uh, 17 is just, it's just simply too young because there's still uh brain development that needs to be done that's oh, not yeah. finished until like your 20s so therefore they're saying oh you know your prefrontal cortex it's not fully developed yet therefore you you're not capable of making these government decisions that are going to like potentially have a huge
1: impact. impact yeah exactly yeah. So um whatever. that see that's how i feel about it you just like named myself on that one i've been 17 before i yeah. I, was, I wasn't a smart 17 year old i don't think i knew very many smart 17 year olds and i think a lot of the times us at that age too we're kind of more so mimics of her parents so yeah we're just gonna basically add another vote to whatever the older generation is gonna say more so than like you know like god there's probably i'm not gonna toss out a random number like random h- hyperbole,s but like i would say that there's a very small percentage of like very open-minded 17 year olds going to 18 looking to vote i think it's more so just like a reflection of things they're hearing outside of the world that aren't necessarily their opinions it could be their parents or their aunts Okay. or you know twitter only without them you know being old enough to kind of understand wait a minute we can't just act on impulses alone we got i gotta do my research
0: kind of thing the fiscal impact is about 1 million every two years that will cover voting materials and funding for temporary uh, county voting officials also there will be an increased one-time cost to the state of hundreds of thousands of dollars to pay for updating existing voter registration systems So to recap, a yes vote will permit 17-year-olds to vote in primary and special elections if they turn 18 by the next general election. A no vote will keep the voting age at 18 for primary, special, and general elections, just as it is right now.
1: Prop 19 is very interesting, the next one on our list. It is somewhat similar to Prop 15. They're going to sound very similar as soon as I say it, but so Prop Proposition 19 proposes that they will give Californians 55 or older, the same property tax rate of their old home that they purchase whenever they purchase a new property. So the do away with this, the fund is sort of like give and take of them keeping the older property tax of their, let's say their Malibu mansion that they Mm -hmm. paid for, you know, back in the seventies, that was, you know, hundred K more so than 2 million right now to pay for that offset they would get rid of that law that did permit them to keep the property tax of their Malibu home from the seventies. So they okay. kind of do away with that. It's just going to split that whole thing open. So this has been a big law. It's been proposed many times. So this will give a break to any baby boomers who still pay property taxes on a home they bought. So this okay. sounds a little bit like properties in 15, just more so on like the people level, less so on the commercial
0: property tax level. Okay. So people
1: who support, oh, what were you going to say?
0: I'm sorry, dude. Uh- I would ask him, so this is for seniors, and it's also for um, wildfire victims?
1: Yes. Okay. It, it gets tied into a firefighting, yeah. But, yeah, it is It is for, uh, for victims of a fire. Okay. So people who support it hope that it will encourage seniors to move out of their older homes and downsize so they can free up inventory in California's pricing, very pricey housing market. Um, I don't know if you look at any homes in San Francisco or Malibu or literally anywhere on the coast lately. They're incredibly crazy. <laughs> they'll be working for Google for 15 years, to afford rent for one. But uh, yes, so this will also increase the, the tax boost for uh, local governments and add more budgets for state firefighters. So people who are against it say that this is giving more rights to realtors who seem like they're kind of playing the system to get more sales on different homes. And so there's also those who think that people who inherit property, like let's say you did inherit your grandma's wonderful Maladu mansion, that okay. you have the right to do whatever you want with it, whether you Airbnb it and pay a tiny bit of tax, property tax on it. You should be able to do that without facing any huge tax increase. Uh, a vote yes would if you want seniors to keep the old property tax that they pay currently on their current home when they move to a newer home to free up the market. Vote no, you shouldn't they shouldn't
0: be able to do so nice good stuff good stuff thank you joey so yeah, of course transition to prop 20 proposition 20 restricts parole for certain offenses currently considered to be nonviolent. violent also authorizes felony sentences for certain uh, offenses currently treated as misdemeanors so uh the non-violent crimes mentioned would include repeated offenses of shoplifting meaning shoplifting in and or other forms of theft could be characterized as a felony depending on the circumstances. Furthermore, Prop 20 uh, would affect the state's ability to release the inmates early for good behavior. This affects parole. Finally, Prop 20 would result in law enforcement being required to collect DNA samples for charged adults for certain misdemeanors. Kind of interesting. So uh, I reached out to CSUB's uh, Criminal Justice Department Chair, Dr. Reem Abu-Laghad, She had this to say, while this is proposed in an effort to preserve public safety, it has also stirred many debates in its inhumane nature when compared to the previous reforms in the state of California, such as Prop 47. In addition to that, the overcrowding of prisons with the different types of crimes, including the reclassified crimes, may contribute to more crime-infested prison population. This is particularly critical during the COVID-19 pandemic we're currently facing, which may further increase the vulnerability of prisoners. So furthermore, Dr. Abu Lakhad added, while California is getting tough on crime, it is still experiencing a new array of unresolved core issues in society, including an emphasis on education, job placement, mental health, and funding for early childhood development, all as preventative methods for reducing the likelihood of crime and deviance occurring in society as a whole. Instead, society often predicts that people are likely to deviate and therefore invest money in the aftermath of crime as a method of intervention rather than prevention. Given the double-edged nature of the policies, there's always unintended consequences. No matter the pros and cons, something is always compromised. So she she was getting at how like, you know, the intention of Prop 20 is that they want to preserve public safety, but it can also result in just a larger populations in prisons, which... It was just kind of a scary thing, that uh, scary idea to have considering the COVID-19 pandemic and being in such uh, close um, indoor quarters with other inmates. That is interesting. What
1: a time. What a time COVID's changed so many things, or going to change so many things, geez. Yeah.
0: She went on to kind of give some further insight saying how like, well, there's kind of two ways of approaching this from a criminal justice uh, point of view. That you can either do early preventative measures, such as like funding for early childhood development, or an emphasis on education, or you could invest more so on aftermath type programs. So you, you can look look at two different ways, saying like oh well, we should early tackle it early on, or say what's well, going to happen regardless, so we need to tackle it later on. Uh, but she makes a really good point, which is says given the double edged nature of the policies, there's there's always going to be some unintended consequence. Like, no matter what, there will be some pro or con. And I think that can apply, really, to all of the propositions or all of politics. That, like, at the end of the day, someone is getting a resource or someone's getting a tax break or someone's getting funding or someone's not getting funding. And if, at the end of the day, someone is affected. So, like, I like that little uh, point she added in there. No, I did, too. Yeah. So, also, just to wrap this one up, the fiscal impacts. There would be an increase in state and local correctional, court, and law enforcement costs in the tens of millions of dollars annually. A yes vote means the penalties for theft-related crimes will be increased and parole will be restricted for inmates. A no vote means that penalties for theft-related crimes won't be increased and parole won't be further limited. I'm like debating in my head like what I think about this. <laughs> yeah, like like I said, on every single one of these, I'm just like so neutral. Like, man, it could go either way.
1: Definitely do more research, everybody, before you, you decide, too. Next, Proposition 21. Proposition 21. Good old rent control. So with this bill, Proposition 21 will allow cities to pass rent control measures on almost all renting housing, as long as it's more than 15 years old. So renters got a break last year when the state enacted a law capping annual rent increases at around 8%. But another, older state law doesn't let cities enact their own stricter rent control laws for single-family homes or renting housing first occupied in the last 25 years. Nor can cities prevent landlords from raising the rent on new tenants to market rates. There's a few more exemptions built into Prop 21. Like, for example, cities still wouldn't be able to cap rent increases by mom-and-pop landlords who own no more than two small properties such as a single-family home or some condos. Uh, if the measure passes, cities and states may lose revenue in the high tens of millions per year because landlords will be paying lower property taxes. Now, you know, a big push for this is that because, you know, we're in COVID right now, I think that this will help with gentrification and homelessness, since we do have such a big crisis when it comes to homelessness here in California. This would help for families having the state come in where they would be evicted for not being able to pay the rent. They would have, you know, you know, families could be single family homes could be one car accident, one, you know, one doctor's visit away from not being able to pay the rent that that yes. month, yes. that would have to. The exactly, they will, they will have the support right there. Now, those who are against it, say it would make it less profitable for builders to construct more housing. And affordable or not, at the time when California has a ma- massive housing shortage, this will increase to that. So a vote yes in this would be giving your city the ability to expand control and rent. And a vote, on this, a vote no on this would just keep the status quo
0: on. So for Proposition 22, it exempts app-based transportation and delivery companies from providing employee benefits to certain drivers. So drivers for apps such as Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash would be classified as independent contractors and said drivers would receive compensation under special criteria. I was actually able to reach out to Lyft driver Justin Reynolds to get his thoughts on Prop 22. He had this to say.
2: So as a rideshare driver, I think that Prop 22 is trying to help people create a little bit more security in their job, but it's a give and take. Like, I think that if I was to get a schedule in my with with any rideshare company, I'd I'd end up probably not even doing any work because the structure of, of a schedule doesn't let me really get anything else done that I that I have like planned. Typically in a day, I have a, a lot of a lot of things that I try to do in a day. And since technology was able to bring these apps and give me income and that's in that way on my off time when I'm not doing any of my other projects or working on my career it really helps me just turn that app on and go go forward um it is it is something that I hope that eventually they can bring different different uh different ways to offer benefits in a way that doesn't take away from from us. But for now, if, if, it, if it leaves us just having our freedom to choose when we can work, uh, I think that that's good enough for me so that I can go on and um, handle what other responsibilities I have to do in my day-to-day life. Also,
0: as independent contractors, they can choose their schedule when they work, how they work.
1: So this would give Uber drivers more so like of a nine-to-five kind of thing, right?
0: Prop 22 would uh, would allow that these driver apps to cla- to classify certain workers as independent contractors so they could choose their schedule. So like oh, instance, okay. if I'm like, I get out of class and I have like four hours to kill, I could give two people a ride and make a little side hustle. Where um, basically like as if you're labeled as an employee, basically if... A driver for these driving based apps, if they're if they have the status as an employee, then the company has to offer them standard benefits and protections that this a regular business would provide to their employees, if that makes sense. No, that so makes sense. But also as an employee, you get these benefits, but they could also start mandating your work schedule, which to is give
1: you structured schedules rather than like the the freeness of doing whatever you want like right like the total appeal of doing these jobs in the first place
0: right like the the people become drivers because they're like yeah you know i have some spare time and if they want to take a day off well it's like all right well it's on me just like any other independent contractor position so this prop 22 would grant these companies the abilities to grant certain drivers the status of independent contractor So, yeah,
1: I that okay. I honestly have seen a lot of like a lot of different advertising for this proposition, and like a lot of it saying yes, and that's kind of crazy if that's the case because those are like some nice ads that are like say yes, like you know, give us more rights, but it feels like it's definitely not the case now that you explain
0: it like that, yeah. But like, like you said, like I I feel like a lot of people will say yes to this one, I, I could be wrong this my kind of intuition prediction just because it like you said people become Uber drivers or DoorDash drivers because they're like they want control over yeah. their schedule no i
1: i used to i used to be a lift driver back back in the back in the day uh 2016 <laughs> yeah so i used to be a lift driver back in the day and like that was 100 the reason why i did it because it was super flexible like i could do it if i went to a different city i could do it as soon as i got off of work exactly how you just described it Just to make that few extra dollars, like someone else needs a ride home from the mall. That's super easy for me to do, right? Yeah. That's that. Yeah. So, so if you can explain this to me, a yes on this proposition would give. A
0: a yes, uh, app-based rideshare and delivery companies could hire drivers as independent contractors. So they'd have control of their schedule, but they're not entitled to employee benefits. Okay. So a no would mean that app-based ride share and delivery companies would have to hire drivers as employees requiring them to provide standard benefits and protections but they could also start controlling the schedule
1: definitely i'm going to look into it a little bit more but i definitely for for someone who did it for that pure reason of the flexibility i do think this is like one of those sneaky be under the door things of like getting you to kind of like you know taking away your taking away your independentness of you know, picking your own schedule and like, just kind of making it like really mundane and like, Oh, I got to You know, I got to drive from seven to four today. Yeah. That
0: is prop
1: 22. All right. Now the big one, I've seen this everywhere here in Bakersfield. It is prop 23. So proposition 23 would require kidney dialysis clinics to have at least one physician present during all operating hours and to report infection data to the state. This would also require the operators to get approval from the state's health department before closing the clinic and prohibit clinics from discriminating against patients based on insurance types so people in support say that this will hold dialysis companies accountable and improve patient services now i interviewed wafa ahmed she graduated from csub and is a physician assistant at a local hospital in town now she said i am voting no on prop 23 because i don't believe it will help improve patient care I think having a physician administrator there at all times is pointless. Um, These patients at dialysis clinics already have a nephrologist that they follow up with regularly. um, And I don't think having
2: someone there at all times is going to improve anything.
1: So the people against this proposition said that this is an attempt to pressure clinics to add more staff, which they already have enough staff who can help out with these, who do not need constant supervision. And passing this would take more hours away from the already staffed clinics and it would take away from resources from them. So vote yes if you want California to add more requirements for dialysis clinics and vote no if you do not want to add more requirements. So this one's an interesting one too. I was one person who, who did see the advertisements for this and saw like, wow, like I did not know dialysis patients were liking so much things, blah, blah, blah. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't understand it when I was watching the YouTube ads for it. And it wasn't until, I, I, I'm glad I'm older now and I ask people for opinions and you know don't just base things off of <laughs> watching ads. But I did talk to Wafa. I did talk to a few other nurses and other people that I know in Sacramento and other places. They all agree with Voni knowing this for the reason of there already being enough people to to supervise dialysis patients and everything. And the reason why, a big reason why they told me too is because they wanna have the ability to unionize. Yeah, that one's an interesting one.
0: Yeah, thanks for the insights on that, uh, Joey. Prop 24, it amends uh, consumer privacy laws. There's quite a bit to this one. Prop 24 allows consumers to prevent businesses from sharing personal information, correct and accurate personal information, and limit businesses use of sensitive personal information. Sensitive personal information would include geolocation, race, ethnicity, and health information. Prop 24 would establish the California Privacy Protection Agency, which could be kind of expensive. So what's the fiscal impact of the establishing a California Privacy Protection Agency and enforcing new privacy laws? It would have an increased annual state cost of at least $10 million, but some of the costs would be offset by the penalties for violating these laws, allegedly. So for instance, if this got passed and Google were to breach these privacy laws and the California Privacy Protection Agency caught them, part of their penalty would go towards paying off the funding for this crop. So a yes vote means consumers will have increased rights with what businesses can do with their personal information and the California Privacy Protection Agency will be established to enforce consumer privacy laws. A no vote means existing consumer privacy laws will remain and the state's Department of Justice will continue to enforce such privacy laws. So just to clarify, like there already are like consumer privacy, like laws and consumer privacy rights is just prop 24 would just increase those wow so that
1: means the last two propositions in this are the most forward futuristic ones out of them all yeah so proposition 25 this is the last proposition on the ballot so proposition 25 would make california the first state to replace cash bell with an algorithm Currently, the system allows for those who have more money to pay off their cash bails without any harm or trial, while Californians who are poor or of color cannot afford to pay bail. The algorithm will assess a person's risk of fleeing before a trial. Now, supporters of this proposition say that cash bails are classist, racist, and unfair, and rich people go free waiting for trial while poor people don't. And that just adds to the ever-increasing increase of people in our prisons. Now, people against it, like the Bell bond companies, say that this will increase crime, while those who are against cash bail, but also against this algorithm, think that the algorithm cannot be responsible for those who are going to jail. A vote yes on this would be if you want California to switch from a cash bail to a risk-based algorithm, and vote no if you want to keep the current system or wait for a better solution. That's what I'll go more into right now. I think an algorithm for human beings is just really weird when it comes to this level. It's good when it's like going through YouTube or Instagram and like, you know, the algorithm knows I want to buy a toaster or if I'm trying to make a good playlist and Apple music suggests, you know, good music to me. Algorithms work that way. Right. But like for people, you know, and their lives and time off their lives going to jail, I think it's, it's, it's really weird. And, the current system is really bad, in my in, in my personal opinion, and I, I would say a lot of people's opinion. the The cash fails are a terrible system. Okay, so I would kind of would be in the vote of like trying it out, a vote yes on that, but I would understand a vote no on it because, like I said, it is an algorithm, and these are people's lives that an algorithm is dealing with, and I don't know if that should be the deciding factor on someone's life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can see the concerns of saying like, well am I going to use an, let an algorithm be the deciding factor for, you know, the next 10 years of my life? Exactly. You know, on whether how- or not, you know, that, the outcome it comes to. And also it's like, well, can you appeal against the algorithm and be like tested again? Or is it the same algorithm that it's going exactly. through? Exactly. Like how do you play
1: the algorithm exactly. now?
0: <laughs> you know, it's like, so that's kind of a scary thought, you know? Yeah.
1: It's- it has good intentions. Like I, I totally understand it. And like, at first, at first listen it seems like, wow, you know what, like, even though it's an algorithm, it still might be better than cash bail, the cash, you know, cash Bells, and everything. But at the same time, you know, my algorithm can get one song wrong on my playlist, like that I don't like. And I'll be like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. Never listen to that again. But I mean, it's not going to be the same thing. We're like, wait a minute, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be stuck in the situation even longer now because this algorithm said that I was more likely to run away.
0: Yeah, there's a more, lot more at stake. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that, Joey. So this was the runner on the air. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this segment explaining the upcoming 12 propositions for the November 3rd election was informative and helpful. Finally, we're excited for you as you prepare to exercise one of your most basic and essential rights, the ability to vote. Stay classy.